Well, I'm Katie, the Russian uh, founder of Plan B Passport. At Plan B Passport, we help individuals to obtain second citizenship from countries that I believe might be beneficial for them in various ways. Um, things like they offer a better tax regime, they order more freedom to travel in some cases. In some cases, they, they generally offer more freedom, uh, especially in the times like now, as what we see in the world uh, that is going nuts. Um, and I just believe that people really need to have a plan B, a second option, an exit plan to make those governments compete for them, right? So um, I don't want to, like, I want to diversify my risks in a way that if she hits the fan in my country, if my government decides to go full authoritarian, I want to make sure that I have a second option ready to go that I can just flee the country. And, uh, you know, we see different events that's happening in the world right now, but we also Bitcoiners and they don't necessarily like it. So in a scenario where they try to go after Bitcoiners, obviously they can 6102 us just because it's unconfiscatable asset, but they may uh, be able to make our life harder. So in this scenario, they can revoke your passport and you won't be able to leave the country unless you give up your Bitcoin or pay huge taxes on that and all that stuff. But in scenario where you have a plan B option, you'll be like, bye Felicia, I'm out of here. So that's what we do at plan B. Just try to help people become more sovereign, limit their dependency on one particular state and, uh, you know, take advantage of this kind of... Um, competition between governments where they can offer you citizenship through donation options where you don't have to visit the island, you don't have to go there, you don't have to live there, you can just donate into the sustainable growth fund of the country, get your passport and sleep better at night. So which countries um, do you make contributions to that you can get a passport from? I used to work with 30 different jurisdictions, but then oh, wow. due to my audience interest, as well as my philosophical alignment, I nailed it down to just seven. So five countries in the Caribbean, such as St. Kitts, Antigua, Grenada, Dominica, St. Lucia, as well as Vanuatu, an island nation next to Australia, and Portugal. Portugal is a little different program. It's not a passport program. It's a residency program. So you purchase real estate there and on this basis obtain a permanent residency. Oh, wow. So have you been to all these places that you're selling um, passports? And not all of them. To? Yeah, okay. not all of them, but quite a few. Yeah, uh, plenty. My next trip, I'll try to make it happen either October or November this year. Nice. And do you, like if someone comes to you and they're interested in this, do you also explain Bitcoin to them or do they generally already understand the use cases for Bitcoin if they're looking for My audience, like yeah, my audience is Bitcoiners. I try okay. not to work with anybody else. Uh, a few months back, I made it to mainstream media and I got a lot of leads that I felt a little uncomfortable working with. Mm -hmm. um, I like our people. Um, I like working with Bitcoiners. We're on the same, uh, we're on the same page generally, and uh, we have the same pains. We have the same mentality. So when they come to me, I know exactly what they mean. But uh, by like, you know, trying to explain me their goals and needs and requirements in order, mm -hmm. like in the process of obtaining second passport. So I understand where they're coming from, 
Uh, I understand Bitcoin. I understand uh, their pain. Uh, I understand how to help them, right? And they understand that I'm on the same philosophical uh, page with them. So they kind of trust me a little more just because we're all orange field. Mm-hmm. So how did this start for you? Did Bitcoin come first or did the, did you have kind two of, passports in the beginning or? It came hand in hand, I would say in a way. So um, I was always like libertarian or liberty minded, I would say um, it came all the way back from my family. Um, back in 95, my dad was uh, a city prosecutor, but he realized how broken the system is, quit it and became an entre- entrepreneur. Um, and ever since I was raised as somebody who's like questioning authority, uh, not really falls into the system on default, et cetera, et cetera. So um, then at the age of 21, I immigrated to the States on my own. And I realized that like having multiple, um, multiple papers, I guess, like even multiple driver licenses or bank accounts in different countries can really benefit you in, in various ways. And what I realized that is beneficial the most is having a choice, right? Because now you can play by ear in which situation, which jurisdiction paper to use. And uh, that that really makes you feel better. So I started looking more into this um, this concept. And I, like I knew back then, I was 21 year old, didn't really make much money, but I knew there is like a bigger picture to that. If I can play this jurisdictional arbitrage on a tiny level, people probably scale that by now. And there's like a huge industry. So I found the flag theory and I was like fascinated with the concept. Basically you're stacking flags in different jurisdictions for different purposes. Like maybe one of them is a better regulatory environment for your uh, business. Another one provides you with better lifestyle while you tax residents um, in the third one where you actually pay your taxes, et cetera, et cetera. So I discovered this uh, flag theory and then um, there was this guy that I met in Miami. I was already a Bitcoiner at this point. And um, he was like, yeah, I sell passports. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. I've been looking into that. Tell me more. And at this point he needed uh, a Bitcoin advisor, basically somebody who would like explain him Bitcoin because his clients were hitting him up with like how to accept payments, uh, how to like, they wanted to pay in Bitcoin, but he could not, like, he didn't know how to make it happen. So I kind of helped him out on that. And then uh, he was like, you should just open your own company. Cause so we don't really compete. Our audience is pretty different. Uh, they speak different languages. They come from different pain points, etc." So he was like, yeah, Katie, go ahead and open your own company. I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to open my own company. So this is how Plan B Passport been born. Nice. So. I was fortunate enough to be born uh, with two passports, but for a lot of people, most of them come with a pretty hefty price. Like what is the income level or economic situation for most of your clients? Uh, Well, I would say it's somewhere around seven figures uh, is where, where people feel comfortable getting the passport. And also, again, it depends on necessity, right? Um, you may not have seven figures, but you're in real need to get the passport, which, you know, you always calculate your own risks and attack vectors. But for other people, they may have eight figures and be like, eh, I'm, I'm fine. I don't really need to spend 180 grand on the passport right now. So it all, it all comes with um, personal, personal necessities, I would say. Mm-hmm. 
And how many um, clients around are you managing at one time? Is it, it's a long process, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty long process, um, but we streamlined the processes. We've been scaling a lot, so we're pretty capable to handle to handle the current flow of clients that we have. I'm not going to be able to say the number, but we've been definitely growing, I would say, at 20% a month straight lately. So that's been pretty cool. I would imagine since you accept uh, Bitcoin for payment that in a bull market, you might get a little more attention. Definitely. All the stars came together, this bull market. First, we had the COVID craziness started, right? So a lot of people were like, hey, I don't have as much freedom as I thought I had. So I might need the second passport. Then after that, we had election in the US and half the country was unhappy with the results. Uh, then now we have like Canada, Australia being like going really wrong way, in my opinion, and people realizing it, Europe mandating, uh, mandating vaccination. And like all these things together with the bull market and Bitcoin, um, yeah, that's been definitely good for my business. But I mean, it's it's not nice to say, but like all these things were really were really good for my business. Yeah, I I think it's just important to to recognize. Like similarly, I don't think Bitcoin would survive if governments didn't abuse their printing power. And just like, you know, your business wouldn't be necessary if governments behaved <laughs> well. True. Yeah, it's, yep. yeah, it's interesting. So how many, how many, I mean, passport sellers are there out there? Are there any other people selling passports for Bitcoin? Yeah, well, there are a lot of, a lot of companies in the industry. I'm like, I have no problem saying that I'm probably the most educated Bitcoiner amongst them and a lot of my clients come to me and like I've been to the biggest industry player I tried to talk to him I tried to talk to a couple other companies they just don't get it and I'm like well I'm your huckleberry you know <laughs> that's funny so going forward where do you see kind of like Bitcoin and this like government overreach as many would would say um how do you see this playing out the rest of this year, at least in terms of, of your business, but also just generally? Yep. Um, depends on which country you're coming from to begin with. Like some countries just in a huge need of getting a passport, uh, while others are somewhat free in a way. Um, but the same the same we can say about, about Bitcoin, right? Like Venezuelans um, really need Bitcoin more than I do probably, but who am I to judge? Like we all need Bitcoin a lot. Just some of us at the point where it's like such a necessity that it's basically a life-saving, um, life-saving thing. And the same with passports, I would say. I feel like we're all talking about Sovereign Individual, one of the best books that I've ever read. And like they talk a lot about the digital currency that is going to be um, introduced to us not through any particular state but it's going to be run by people etc etc so we already got bitcoin and uh, the flag theory or obtaining second passports is basically from the chapter of nation state going down 
simply because they they can't sustain this competition. We're defunding them basically in a way, right? We're defunding them through Bitcoin and we're defunding them through voting with our feet. So we vote with our money with Bitcoin. We vote with our feet with flat theory and obtaining different passwords that is better for my taxes, is better for my lifestyle and for my for my freedom. So uh, we are the ones making the sovereign individual thesis play out faster. Like we are front running everybody else on on this uh, on this trend, and I think it's pretty cool. So that's that's how Bitcoin philosophy and second passport philosophy really go hand in hand in my head. And there are a lot of other things that I also think needs to be part of it, such as unschooling, like sovereign approach to health. Um, um, you know, 3D2A, et cetera, et cetera. What is 3D2A? Uh, 3D printing for guns. It's it oh, for oh, 3D, yeah, yeah. Second Amendment. Yeah. Oh, Second Amendment. Okay, yeah, I hear um, So for Bitcoiners, at least as far as I've seen, tend to be single-issue voters. So what issue or issues tends to bring people to your door the most? I would say again, it depends depends on uh, what country you're coming from. A lot of it is taxes. Um, we are like, we were smart enough to buy Bitcoin back in the day. Uh, why the fuck am I supposed to pay forty percent on that to you if you did everything to make it hard for me to buy Bitcoin? Like, you were mm -hmm. preventing me from making me this money, but I still owe you forty percent of it. Like, what the actual fuck? Um, and um, in other cases, it's visa-free travel. So me coming from Russia originally, on my passport, I could not go anywhere. I could not go to Europe. I could not come to the US. I was denied in, in the United States visa at first. So I wasn't able to fly when I wanted to. Uh, I basically couldn't go anywhere. Um, so for many people, it's just like, hey, I want to be able to travel without going through a shit ton of bureaucracy every time and three weeks of wait for my visa. So I want passport for that. Um, for Australians right now, it's a simple way to escape their country because they can't leave unless they have an exemption. And being a foreign citizen who is living in Australia uh, is one of the exemptions. So that could be another one. Um, yeah, so what do you think, um, like if someone is just looking into Bitcoin for the first time, do you think they should also start researching some of this flag theory and looking into getting a second passport? I would say it's a rabbit hole on its own. And uh, I believe Bitcoin rabbit hole will necessarily bring you to a passport rabbit hole for sure. It's just one comes after another. Sometimes it comes a different way. You first start, uh, you know, hedging against your government and you realize that, oh shit, one of the best hedges I have is not just having passports, but also getting into Bitcoin because that's how I can flee the country. Uh, and that's how I can have a, a, like a real real security because uh, how, how did it basically yeah unconfiscatable assets mm -hmm. so what do you think then about the exit tax in the united states and bitcoin like what is the what's the contingency plan there 
I think that Bitcoiners really need to unite on this. And we are pretty good at making things viral and fight the things that we thought were unfightable. So in 2018, there was a proposed bill on actually ending the citizenship-based taxation in the United States. So what is citizenship-based taxation is uh, when no matter where you where your income comes from, no matter where you live, you have to file taxes in the U.S. Only two countries in the world have citizenship-based taxation. It's United States and East African country called Eritrea. Um, and like because of this rule, uh, you can't simply vote like, you know, they say love it or leave it, but you can't really live it in the U.S. because you first have to pay 40 percent all, all, of, of all your assets exit tax. Um, on top of it, you can't actually renounce your U.S. citizenship now to avoid citizenship based taxation because they just suspended the service in all foreign embassies due to COVID. So embassies work, all the services they still provide, but the renunciation services is uh, not like it, it's not in the play right now. So uh, I believe COVID has nothing to do with that. They are the numbers of people renouncing U.S. citizenship has been skyrocketing in the last five years, and they just don't know what's going on. And people keep thinking that like, well, United States has a lot of income in immigration, but it's crazy to see how much outcoming like expatriation it has too. So maybe they started to realize that it's not okay. So I would want people to look into this 2018 uh, proposed bill of ending citizenship-based taxation. And I actually made a tweet thread about it um, about a month and a half ago. So if you want to check it out, I, I tweeted the PDF to that as well. Uh, please go check it out, make it viral. So that's interesting. That's, that's true. I feel like the, um, people leaving the United States is like somewhat of a suppressed statistic. So can you tell me more about that? Because I guess in my mind, I always thought, oh, if you were to renounce your citizenship, you just, you just quit, right? You just leave and just stop paying, but that probably doesn't work like that. So, so what does that process look like when it's actually functioning? Yeah, unfortunately it doesn't. So in other countries, what you could do, let's say Canada or Australia, just to give you uh, an easier example, English speaking countries too, um, you can just become a non-tax resident of those countries. So you're telling them, hey, I'm no longer using your benefits, therefore I'm not gonna pay for them, right? Pay for them. It's almost like taxes actually pay for them. Uh, but basically you can become a non-tax resident of those countries quite easily. In the United States, it's not the case. Um, so, for example, just to give you some numbers, um, in 2008, there was 235 renunciations. In uh, 2010, it was 1,500. And last year, 2020, it was 6,700 people who renounced their citizenship. So, like, we have huge growth in the numbers. Uh, and if they didn't suspend the process of renunciation, uh, people would still be able to do that. And this year we would, we would see like crazy numbers, I bet. We would, we would see a different, different number. Yeah, that's, that's exponential growth. That's, that's fascinating. So does um, Lightning play in or are you trying to incorporate Lightning into any of your services, the Lightning Network? 
Not in the moment, uh, just because average check is quite high and people are totally fine with uh, on-chain fees for that. And on-chain fees are not that high at all right now. So when you when you're sending a ten grand uh, transaction, it, it's it's nothing basically. But I'm a huge fan of Lightning. Um, I, I'm a big user of it for sure. Oh, nice. Uh, I would imagine your work um, gives you a lot of insight into central banking. So, do you do you follow? Um, Kind of like Russian politics still? Like I'm trying to. Well, yeah. me and my dad try like we we we're trying to catch up. He's uh watching American news in Russian basically. So he's yeah. watching what Russia says about America. I'm telling him what America says about Russia, and then we're catching up on that because it's uh kind of fun. Uh yeah, so just this week, uh banking rates, like loan rates in Russia went up one and a half percent just this week and i was like what okay and they're alone like the mortgage in russia is already 20 percent. it's crazy to imagine mm -hmm. but at the same time we always had a high inflation um but like that's probably what gave me another perspective on bitcoin that's why it was somewhat easy for me to grasp the need for bitcoin because like throughout my lifetime i've seen two hyperinflations and like i'm, I'm not old at all so it's mm -hmm. been it's been quite a roller coaster uh, for my family in Russia. So it seems to me that decentralization is the solution to like a lot of humanitarian problems on like the monetary front, but kind of your business is giving me insight also just into a, to a personal. Front, right? Yeah, it's really interesting uh, so i have clients from all over the world right and like knowing their perspective for example only two countries out of all my clients come to me and say hey uh, i don't really have problems with taxes but i still want to get out <clears throat> and i thought it was interesting because nobody says it but netherlands and south africa uh clients they're like yeah my taxes are okay and i'm like interesting never heard it before uh while others are like I just need to get out. Yes, my taxes suck and I want to get a better tax regime. But as of now, I just need to be out of here. I need my whole family out of here, mm -hmm. including my my parents, my kids, my sister. Everybody needs to get out. And I'm like, this is crazy. So it's really interesting to like, I don't watch much news at all. Uh, basically, Twitter is what Twitter is my source of my source of news these days mostly but like my clients really give me perspective on what's going on on the ground and like as i find out from which part of the country they are they will tell me more perspective on that like for example east uh east australia is absolutely not west australia like yeah we're chilling we can't leave the country but there's no lockdowns here so like all this stuff is pretty interesting I didn't know that. Are they governed? Are they two different states? I think they do have different states, but it's just uh, the the west part of the country is like kind of more rural. Mm -hmm. So Melbourne is absolutely nuts. Uh, but what's going on in Perth, for example, in Australia, seems like much more chill. So how do you go about finding the right place for people do you recommend that people 
move to rural areas or do you have any say in where they go? Because I'd imagine you have to establish residences and you're working with possibly realtors. I don't know. But how does mm -hmm. that work? So that that point mostly comes from their like lifestyle perspective. When they come to me, we have a Zoom call, we strategize together and what is the best jurisdictions. And like the kind of the basic basic rules that basic criteria that I give them to find the right jurisdiction is like let's talk about tax regime. Let's figure out if capital gains is your most um, biggest concern or is it income tax, etc. Let's figure out how many dependents you want to include in your applications because uh, different countries will provide you with different price. So like uh, one country can be the best for single applicant, but it will be super expensive for a family of four. So depending on that, we'll strategize as well. Uh, do you care or not about visa-free travel? Because uh, let's say with Canadian passport, you wouldn't really care much because you already have access to most of the world. So that wouldn't be a concern, but if you come in from Russia, definitely. And then timeline, a lot of people are in a rush. So we need to look at what is the processing time or different of different jurisdictions because they do have their own due diligence process after you submit the application. And some of them take three months while others take eight months. So if you're in a rush, I would exclude a couple of countries. Uh, and then we talk about the lifestyle that you're trying to obtain. Like, are you considering actually living on the island or is it just a plan B? Uh, would you be interested in like just establishing your tax residency there while still traveling the world, et cetera, et cetera. And what are the main values for you in terms of lifestyle, like education for kids locally, or do you just want a nice villa on the beach or like, we'll, we'll just chat about it, understand your values, understand your concerns and based on that strategize. Sounds like a lot of your job is research then, or, or do you already have like a really good understanding of all the islands and where in the islands or countries people should live? I definitely do. At this point, uh, like 30 minute consultancy is usually enough for us to figure out what you want, what I have in stock. And uh, like after that, it's just a couple of emails to confirm this and that. Uh, to go over the numbers, to go over the processing time, as well as paperwork, and then we're ready to jump in. Yeah, so do people, I'd imagine you'd have to provide like quite a lot of paperwork. What do you do if people fall short of some of that or simply don't have it? You just can't help them or how, how does that work? Uh, well, then we just have to request the documents at this point, like I have pretty solid legal team working with paperwork and uh, we already work with so many jurisdictions that at some, like in many cases, we know which form they need from their country and they never heard of this form, but we did because we already worked with that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, things are like military records or birth certificates or, you know, your first marriage uh, divorce letters, like all this stuff needs to be collected. Uh, and we either point you in the right direction where you can request those documents. In some cases, we can help you obtain those. Um, but most of it is coming from your side because, you know, those are original documents that we never want to touch even. So um, a lot of uh, your attention will be needed too. So shifting gears a little bit, you said that you... Um serviced exclusively 
Bitcoiners. What are your thoughts on Bitcoin maximalism? A feature um, or a bug or <laughs> I would consider myself a Bitcoin maximalist, um, definitely. And uh like I believe that's the mentality uh of my clients in most cases. Again, my only marketing channel is my Twitter, right? Uh mm -hmm. Twitter, podcast, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So basically my audience um come through the same signal. And if they're aligned with me on Twitter. Uh, we'll probably be able to find the you know the right approach for their passport and like between my business and their passport because um, I believe our business is pretty authentic in terms of comparing myself with other people in the industry. And so I like to work with Bitcoiners. Um, I do work with a lot of Maxis. Most of my clients are Maxis, I would say. Um, yeah, I believe it is a feature, not a bug for sure. Yeah, I. I do as well. I think it functions something like a, an immune system because yeah. especially when you're talking about people's money, there's, I think there's like a high likelihood of scammers like crawling into all aspects of the network. If you don't have this really robust kind of like group of vigilantes ready to exactly. call them out on Twitter. And yeah. then like they compromise, like every altcoin is compromising something. It's either the, you know, the decentralization point, which is, you know, huge, huge thing, uh, mm -hmm. or it's issuance or something else, something else. And uh, once they compromise it, we can't advocate for what we believe in anymore because we just gave up something really important, one of our first principles. And in this scenario, like, why, why do we even care? Yeah. It seems to me that flag theory would have a lot in common with or be fall under um, the wing of game theory. So do you have thoughts about the game theory of mining or of different countries? You know, Edward Snowden just recently called to nations. I mean, basically to just, hey, consider Start getting stacking. into yeah, start sacking or you're going to really miss out. What do you what do you think about the nation play there? Uh, lately, I've been noticing this trend, like especially now in times of COVID, it's kind of you can see through through a zoom almost. Uh, if you look at the countries who's been the most authoritarian, let's say 30, 40 years ago, they're pretty free now. Like look at Russia, Belarus. There's no lockdowns, no mandatory vaccinations, uh, no special rules because the society is basically like not ready to give up any of their powers anymore. And they basically have this uh, default fuck you mentality to government. And like when government try to pull up another card of authoritarian um, regime, they're like, good fucking luck. Like we've seen it 30 years ago, we're not gonna fall for it ever again. So it, it basically falls into strong, good times creates uh, weak man, weak man creates bad times, bad times creates strong man so i bet that uh russia is gonna thrive in 10 years from now while a lot of western countries who's been living a good life will, will be like holy shit what did we allow our governments to do well and probably the countries like venezuela and lebanon are gonna thrive 30 years from now because they've seen a lot of shit now so that's kind of interesting to, to see those swings because it's not about governments uh being good or being bad 
It's about people who let their government be good or bad. So if you've seen a lot of bad, you're not gonna let it happen anymore and you can push back. And countries that don't push back, see um, see a lot of shit. So like in Australia, they've been living really good quality life for a while. And now 76% of people totally support this complete lockdown and you know mandatory vaccination. And you're like, guys, I don't think you you know history enough or like you, you let the right <laughs> thing happen right now. So yeah. that's pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I have a feeling I've never been to Australia, but I have a feeling that what's portrayed in the media is. You know, information like digital information can never represent reality, right? So I don't like I won't say I understand what's going on there, but it seems like an awfully complacent populace for what's happening. But I wonder if some of the pushback is being covered up or just underreported. Yeah, mainstream media is pretty bad these days. Uh, but um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was at Bitbox Boom Conference, which Bitcoin Magazine actually sponsored. So, mm -hmm. um, and Stefan Levera, who recently left Australia, told us a lot about what's going on on the ground. And that was like, okay, I trust this guy and I trust his information from the ground. And that's basically the only way to collect information right now. It's it's all about trust and it's all about, um, you know, I trust you, you, you've seen it. So I'm going to trust that instead of just trusting somebody who is misincentivized to show a particular piece of a video that doesn't really represent the what's going on there. And like all the mainstream media are now have wrong incentives. They are paid by somebody who has their hidden interest in there. So that's basically, I didn't have a TV in like six years and I don't mind. Yeah, me neither. I don't. <laughs> Actually, yeah. it's very, it's very strange to go back and watch TV if you haven't seen it in a couple of years. It's like, how do people watch? This is unwatchable. This is <laughs> yeah, you walk into somebody's house and like TV's on the background and it's always noisy and you're like, geez, like you really consume a lot of information that is complete garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's almost... It wouldn't be so bad if they're like sort of sitting there sort of like parsing the information, but I think it is like the passive um, consumption of information can cause some problems. Like even, even passively um, having like maybe like a podcast on all day and night, I'll notice like, oh, I'm, it's not really my thoughts. I'm kind of like taking on, you yeah. know, like what I'm listening to. It's true. It's definitely true. And then all the advertisements make you fall into consumerist mentality because uh, you just really need this one thing that you never thought of before because TV just tells you from all over the place. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bitcoin luckily is like a pretty good shield against uh, consumerism. That's true. That's true. Low time yeah. preference. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think is the most bullish thing happening in Bitcoin right now? Well, it, today's what, September 10th, just a couple days ago, we've seen El Salvador going live with uh, Bitcoin legal tender. I thought it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, but honestly, Bitcoiners around me make me the most bullish because like, I understand how we are on the same page. And like many of us saying, it's like, damn, if I didn't have Bitcoin right now, my life really would be a little more depressing. 
and like seeing this as a hope for all of us and just like believing in a bright future. Like all of us had one of the best years of our lives in 2020. When anybody outside of Bitcoin had like an absolute nightmare of a year and you're like, damn, just this one thing makes you believe the life is beautiful, makes you uh, change, kind of adjust your needs in the moment, adjust your uh, priorities and boom, your life is beautiful. Like how cool is that? Absolutely bullish. Yeah. Is there ever a bear market for you? Are there ever times when you question um, the craziness that is going all into Bitcoin? <laughs> mm, definitely not. Like the bear market, <laughs> no. Uh-uh. And like, if like at this point, many people just don't look at the price. Like we're checking it once in a while, but it really does not affect your emotions anymore because you're like, yeah, I'm stacking anyway. Like, what's the point? Um, so once you realize that you're not stacking until any particular moment in life and then you start living, but you're already living the best life you can while still stacking, you really stop caring about the price and you're like, holy shit, life is beautiful. I have my savings in the best asset possible. My life is awesome too. And I, I don't leave like, yeah, we, we talk about delayed gratification and low time preference. But it doesn't mean that our life sucks right now in order to not suck in the future. It already is beautiful now, but we're just making sure it's going to get better and better and better. So um, I don't have bear markets anymore. Uh, life is beautiful. Yeah, if you price your world in um, in Bitcoin, I guess That's you really right. don't. I mean, if you're not selling, you're, you're, you, it's, only getting, it's only getting better for you. Yeah. Um, that's a really good outlook I think just in, because if you're really in this um, and you really understand it you kind of realize that pricing Bitcoin in dollars of course is kind of priming yourself to eventually make a trade right like if I, I think it's fair to say we'd both be pretty excited if Bitcoin went to a hundred thousand dollars today but it's kind of a uh, dangerous to get excited about this because at uh, what price do you crack, you know, and start. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. Still, so, like in Bitcoin, once you realize the first principles was with money, you then realize the first principles in life and you really shape your priorities and like your dreams in a different way. And like, you don't dream about Lambos anymore. You really dream about the chicken coop on your backyard. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. And uh, it doesn't require too many sets to build a chicken coop. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So what, um, what kind of like ways has it changed you personally then? Like over, how, how many years have you been uh, Four years now, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I like. I wouldn't say it changed me too much because I was coming from like freedom-minded family, and I I was a professional athlete back in the day, which kind of also um, coming from like sovereign lifestyle. Like I was a professional sailor, so like the most. Mm -hmm. um, it, the most censorship resistant travel that exists in the world. I'm pretty good at it. And I've traveled the world a lot. I'm an immigrant myself. So like 
the default distrust to government was with me since I was very young, um, traveling the world and looking for a better lifestyle, uh, kind of, you know, implementing the capitalist um, competition between the nation states was also the thing for me always. I would say it made me stronger in my beliefs just because again, I've met, I've met my tribe and I realized that I'm not the crazy one. It's a lot of us and we are actually right and we're winning. So that was pretty cool. And uh, it exposed me to a lot of new topics that I was not exposed to. Uh, interestingly enough, I was somehow like still following them, even as a child, like I'm a huge advocate on unschooling right now or homeschooling just because public education sucks. But like my parents, we never really talked about homeschooling or unschooling, but I would only go to school four months out of a year because I was a national team. And like, I would, I would just do my homework at home with my mom. She would help me with math. My dad would help me with history, literature and everything. So I was basically homeschooled, uh, but not because it was part of our philosophy in a way, but um, just because of necessity. And I remember days when I would just wake up and I was tired. I was like, mom, I really don't want to wake up and go to school. She's like, oh, fuck it. Just stay home. Like, who cares? <laughs> so like she, she somehow had this mentality without knowing about unschooling, homeschooling or the 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 wrong like brainwashing that that uh, public education gives me. So that was cool, too. I was raised in a family of hunter. Like my dad is a huge hunter. He fishing, he's hunting. So I was raised around guns. I would shoot guns since I was probably like eight or something. That was part of my life too. And like all these pieces, they were magically already in my childhood. And now they just grew stronger and stronger and stronger. And um, I'm, I'm hosting little conferences here and there. Uh, like I hosted one before Bitcoin 2021. Um, I hosted one before Bitblock Boom. And it's basically... All the things that Bitcoiners are interested in outside of Bitcoin. So like we're talking about unschooling, 32A again, passwords. We're talking about um, uh, farming and gardening, permaculture and stuff. We're talking about sovereign approach to your health um, or home birth. Like all these things that I consider to be part of Bitcoiner mentality, but uh, not necessarily something that Bitcoiners are exposed to. So like... I was happy. I was lucky to be exposed to those topics. And I, now I want to bring it to other Bitcoiners as well. It seems like you would have a lot of insight into seasteading. Are you interested in that at all? Maybe. Not sure about that. Um, <laughs> I definitely am interested in like being able to flee the country at any point without uh, any anybody knowing about it. So like... I'm in Texas currently. Before that, I was in Florida. So I had uh, direct access to the ocean. So I can jump in a boat and go somewhere else. Basically, again, censorship-resistant travel. And on the way, I might have a boating accident or two. Um, so. <laughs> Just to arrive and to start fresh somewhere else. Yeah, but I had so many boating accidents in, in my life, uh, even before being a Bitcoiner, that it's even funny. <laughs> like real ones? Yeah, like real ones. Oh, that's terrifying to me. I guess to close, what, um, 
Do you have any price predictions? Are you like a futures person? Mm, Do you have really. a no thoughts? Really, I I don't even think about what the price is going to hit this year. I don't think what price is going to be four years from now. The number is going to go up. Um, how quickly? I don't know. And uh, I just I just hope that it's not going to go up as as quick as uh, it like. I don't want it to go quicker than I feel comfortable with stacking because uh, that's going to be hard. Like, damn it, my my business doesn't provide me with as many sets as it used to. kind of sucks. Um, so I'm pretty young. I want to work. I want to stack sets. I want to raise my family um, on Bitcoiner mentality. And uh, that's about it. Bitcoiner is going to be the only one very soon. We're not going to price it in dollars anymore. And that's what I'm here for. Excellent. Very 